Hey everybody, this is James. And Marco. And Nabil. And this is the Movie Pals Podcast, podcast number 106. Today we have a double feature, I guess, technically, guys, because we're getting really close to finishing all these Studio Ghibli films that we started uh, three years ago, I guess, right? <laughs> so we're close doing it for to a the while. finish line. Yeah, so we're going to be doing a uh, mini-review of the Studio Ghibli film Only Yesterday, and then a review of the new film, I guess, neo-noir film Reminiscence, which just came out starring Hugh Jackman. So, uh, Without further ado, guys, let's get into what we've been watching. Hey, what you watching? Okay, so just gonna blow right through this, Nabil. <laughs> what have like you it. been? Get, get to the point. <laughs> yeah, the point, what have sir. you been watching, reading, or playing, sir? This time, I asked it uh, correctly. Just, just watching this time. But okay. I have been, have been busy with some TV shows, trying to catch up on some old stuff. Porque? I know there's a lot there's a lot of backlog but I'm actually going to talk about two shows that are new that I just started watching uh, one is on List Netflix off and I'm going to snooze I know probably I'm just <laughs> kidding no they're great shows The Chair uh, is a Netflix series just started uh, starring Sandra Oh and Jay Duplass it's basically about a, a university who has its first woman of color become chair of uh, the English department and you kind of just see her go through the high demands and expectations of uh, the department that's really kind of failing. Um, what? <laughs> what day is it? It's, it's very much like a, a dry humor. So if you've seen some of Sandra O's like TV shows and some of her kind of when she does have kind of comedic. I, I looked at it. it. Me and Nabil and I talked about this a little bit earlier today we're discussing uh and it actually does look interesting i'll, I'll give it that much yeah it's got and it's it's, cri- it's critically it is critically acclaimed too i guess apparently so 85 percent rotten tomato score Crazy. it's doing pretty well yeah it's pretty big no it's it's pretty entertaining i find sandra O oh is always great so i love her in the show um they really try to speak to a lot of what the college students are you know kind of their viewpoints are on freedom of speech but also um what a lot of the public shaming and also canceling that they're doing you know online is kind of translated also on the show um oh you mean accountability yeah yeah uh they're showing like the old traditional male caucasian leaders of a school and how they're trying to get them out and bring in new blood but that's more diverse but and representative of the actual courses that are or students but having a difficult time still navigating that even though she's a woman of color mm. so it's very interesting in that sense but also has a very interesting like plot as a whole it's only like 30 minutes i think an episode and there's only like six episodes so it's a very short season but quite entertaining if you're looking for like a a, a comedy that does that's also you know, simulating a bit intellectual in the sense of, you know, relevant to today's climate. I think it's it's a really good show to kind of watch and, and see different opinions and perspectives on different generations, especially at a, a higher education level. So nice. Really yeah. good show. And that's that's playing on Netflix, right? That's on Netflix. Did that just come out right? Or it, I think it came out. I want to say it came out last week or maybe. Yeah, just it's, tr- it's trending right now. So, yeah. OK. Uh, the other show I've started watching is called Mr. Corman. This is a Joseph Gordon-Levitt show that he directed, he wrote, he corrected, he created, he did, he's all, the whole thing, and he starts in it. It's been essentially a show about the uh, daily life of a public school teacher in San Fernando Valley area, so in Los Angeles area. And he plays the, the lead character, uh, Josh Corman, and he's, a, I think, like a fifth grade elementary school teacher. And... It's interesting. It's also a very short show. It's more of a, like a, I guess maybe a dark comedy, if that. It's probably more drama, if anything. But he kind of touches into the point of, you know, what what uh, teachers are dealing with, what he would be dealing with as a person. He's single. He's like possibly in his like early 30s or something like that, trying to navigate life in L.A. And as, as we all kind of know, L.A. is very expensive. California's expensive, but L.A. is even more expensive. Yeah. to live in and probably isn't really good for a school teacher especially an elementary school teacher to try to find a way to live through that so you just kind of see some of the stuff that he's going through in life and relations and you know his with his mental health and it's it's also kind of relevant 
just watching it, you kind of relate to it. I mean, I'm not a teacher. I don't live in L.A., but at the same time, I kind of feel a lot of things is going through being, you know, in my, you know, soon to be mid 30s. I can. I know. <laughs> Uh, I Yikes. can, <laughs> I can kind of relate to some of his feelings. Wait until it's late thirties, sir. Marco, that was like a decade ago for you, though. So <laughs> I know. You mean mid forties? <laughs> Pushing fifty now, sir. <laughs> it looks like he's fifty-six, but no, he's thirty-four. It's not a big deal. But but it is a very interesting uh, perspective, and and what's what I really like about it is that Joseph Gordon-Levitt. He does a really good job kind of like getting getting the pulse of of society. Like he seems very well connected to like what modern students are thinking of, of children, you know, in, the, in that grade level of fifth grade and also just adults his age. I feel like he's found a, a really good way of expressing and displaying some of those emotions that, that a lot of us are going through. And um it, it just translates so well it's, it's a surprisingly refreshing show that is also very very sad um in some aspects but you uh you really feel a, a connection to it so I, I definitely recommend doing that too not to bum you out but a couple of just really good re- relatable shows that mm-hmm. have uh that are socially relevant and currently uh, currently just relevant to what's going on in the world so yeah, no, I, I added that to my list. That one looks really good. I saw a little preview, and it's kind of funny, too. So, Yeah, yeah. There's yeah. definitely some uh, comedy aspects to it. Right on, Nabil. Looks like you've been watching a lot of newer stuff, so some good recommendations there. So, James, what have you been watching, reading, or playing, sir? Uh, I, saw, I, I saw a couple of things here I do want to bring up. I okay, saw cool. this Korean film. <laughs> oh, cool. Subtitles. Uh, this Korean film called The Wailing. This came out in 2016. It's a, a Korean horror film. It's currently streaming on Prime Video and Hulu. So if you want to check it out, check it out there. But it's in a nutshell, it's about a this Japanese guy shows up in this Korean village. People start going crazy and killing their families. And it uh, follows a police officer trying to discover the secret of this man after his own daughter becomes possessed. So... Um, if that sounds wild to you, I, I would recommend. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's super creepy. It's very long. I'm going to tell you guys right now. It's two hours and 35 minutes long. Hmm. It is not a short watch, but it is worth it. And I think it is a really solid horror film. There, it's not so much jump scares. It's more so like creepy factor. It's kind of like a mix of genres too. It's like a police film. It's a mystery. It's a thriller. It's a horror film. I like the mix of it all. And by the end, it comes together really well. Nice. And it has like a super ambiguous ending to a point where it's kind of up to you to kind of decide what's really going on. And I really appreciated that. It's like it's it's a pretty smart film. Those types of endings scare Nabil. Yeah. <laughs> Nabil, I could see. I could, actually, I I mean, all jokes aside, Nabil, you might leave this film like I'm not sure what happened. <laughs> <laughs> it it is one of those movies where it's kind of up to you to kind of like decipher what's going on. They don't really hold your hand in these ones, so. I would say it's still worth a watch. I highly recommend it. I think if you like movies like Hereditary or yeah, like yeah. Midsummer, I would say it, it's kind of along that genre of films, like where it has definite creepy and over the top moments. James is definitely giving me the, the go look. He's like, I'm looking at you, Marcus. Yeah, Marco, I, especially you, Marco. I'm like, you, yeah. sh- you would like this movie. Yeah, you have to read subtitles, but once again, we know that, hey, if you get past that little barrier, you can exactly. find a whole new world of like movies to watch. So, right. uh, I also saw, uh, just as a side note real quick, I started season three of Titans on HBO Max. It's on there now because mm. DC Universe is gone, and it's fantastic so far. If you were a fan of the previous two seasons, this one continues the story, and this time the main villains, they're, they're bringing up like Red Hood and... Scarecrow, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's spoiled um, on the thumbnail on HBO. Dude, the poster spoils this this yeah, season, like, by the way. Awesome. Just to let you know. Awesome. Although they announced the Red uh, Hood stuff ahead of time, so it was like, okay. So it's not yeah, they too do much Jason of a... Todd, so. No. Yeah, and I mean, and he's already in the show, so it's kind of, mm-hmm. you know, if you don't know oh. what's going on. Uh, I also saw a film called The Paper Tigers. It's a 2020 uh action comedy i would say that's on netflix i don't know if you guys have heard about this one or not but i've uh 
It's on Netflix, but I actually rented it ahead of time before it even came on Netflix. It was one of those Just, iTunes like ninety nine cent rental movies. Oh. So I was like, okay, okay, I'll mess with it. Put your dick away, dude. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh, he's flexing that he didn't have to pay. He paid for this. Huh? Yeah. It's it's really well done, man. It's about these three middle aged men up in the Seattle area that like used to be martial arts champions back in the nineties. And after their master is basically mysteriously killed, they kind of come back together and have to like find out what's going on. But they're also dealing with being like pretty out of shape and old. And like, <laughs> um, it has a lot of heart, though. I'll say that much. The movie surprisingly is a little bit more of a drama than I thought it was going to be. And they do a really good job with balancing action and comedy here. And like, it was self funded and stuff too. And I had a lot of fun with this one, man. So like, uh, especially if you guys like any movie, it reminded me of like a movie from the '90s, but in a good way. Kind of like um, I'm trying to think. I know Marco like he did like a Three Ninjas thing back in the day. Like it's almost like that. <laughs> I was gonna say, imagine, like, it's like Three dude, Ninjas ima- grown up. But imagine if those kids grew up and they had to like face the fact that like they used to be really good, but now they're like, hey, I can pull my hamstring anytime I fucking walk down the stairs. You <laughs> pretty, know? Pretty sure if the series continued, that's what it would have been. Yeah, I would highly recommend it, though. It actually has really well-done choreography mm. with the action sequences themselves. I was pretty surprised by how well they did for such a low-budget film. And it's actually surprisingly quite funny. So that's uh, The Paper Tigers. It's on Netflix. I mean, if you have Netflix, check it out. I think it was it was just added like this last week. So I think you two guys especially would really like it. It's a really easy watch, too, so... Well, James, it sounds like these two movies are uh, the two movies that we should have done this episode, but, you know, it's okay. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, they sound Quite really possibly. good. Um, yeah, fun, fun yeah, stuff, uh, though. I so. saw on your, uh, like I said, I stock your letterbox, so, yeah. Thanks. Very little reviews. No no likes, though, but it's cool. Oh, sh- I forgot to like it. Sorry. <laughs> like, I'm the only man. one again. It's fine. I mean, I mean, it's cool. Like, Hi, Fred. What about you, Marco? What have you been watching? I saw an oldie also on Netflix, actually, that's about to get taken off soon because Netflix is going to revamp their library. But uh, I saw the old movie from 1974 called Chinatown starring Jack Nicholson. And yeah, a little bit of controversy with this movie because the director, not even going to say his name, totally up to you if you want to check this movie out or not. I understand your reservations. I was a little iffy on it, but I'd heard so many good things about this movie and how it it very highly influenced like modern noir. Mm -hmm. So I decided to check it out. Was this your first time seeing it? Yeah, my first time. Oh, wow. Okay. I'd been putting it off because of like the controversy and stuff, but it's it's about to get um, booted out of Netflix next month. It it comes back every so often because I I think even me a few years ago, I watched this on either Netflix or like Prime Video, I think. It's it's been on there for a while. So, you know, it was on my queue and I was like, I might as well check it out. I'm a big Jack Nicholson fan. Uh, Faye Dunaway stars in it too. But basically, like the gist of it is, uh, it's uh, about a private eye in L.A. and during the Great Depression in 1937, who gets hired by a woman to investigate her husband, who works for like the water department in uh, L.A. and basically to he he basically like catches cheaters and stuff. But it it turns out he was led on a wild goose chase, and this investigation actually turns into something a little bit more serious, involving murder and conspiracies, and stealing land. And it was actually very well done. It's it's your classic noir movie, where you know gumshoe detective gets approached by uh, femme fatale, and you know he gets intertwined into these you know big giant conspiracies and. Jack Nicholson just does a great job playing uh, J.J. Giddies, the, uh, the the main PI, and he's he's just so charismatic. He's he's your basic like noir detective, like everything that you picture in, in modern noir. Like he he captures it pretty well. Cinematography is is really well done. All all the acting is well done. The reveals and the surprises are also like catch you off guard. It's not something that you can see coming really. Uh, it, overall, it's just like it's a fantastic classic film, great detective movie, and I I really love its realistic ending as well too. It's not necessarily gonna turn out how you expect. It's actually like I said, one that I've been putting off for quite a while, and I'm glad I actually finally got to see it. You know, albeit you know all the controversy behind the person who made the movie. Overall, if you have Netflix, looks like all of us have been watching the shit out of Netflix these past couple of weeks. 
check it out. You know, if you don't have any reservations about it, um, I highly recommend it. it. It is kind of long, and yeah, it's a classic movie, but you'll you'll be very much interested in the storyline. It actually a even s- has like a sequel, by the way. I don't know, if which I hear is oh, horrible. I didn't know that. Yeah. I heard it's horrible too. The two Jakes. It came out in like 1990. Yeah. I actually haven't seen it, but I think oh, man, I oh, think Jack, Jack Nicholson, Nicholson might have directed I think, it. I think Did he directed too. Remember too? that. Yeah. He's the same character, but it, it's supposed yes. to not be so good. So, yeah, this yeah. film but, you know, is, China, is Chinatown's, amazing, Chinatown's awesome. Yeah, I like Chinatown. Yeah, one of my favorite films of all time, to be honest, and one of my favorite oh, Jack Nicholson sorry, films. Sorry. Yeah, I know Roman Roman Polanski is. Yeah, I didn't want to say his director. Name. Yeah, but you know the uh, film itself is is just. It is. It is what what modern noir is. Uh, right? yeah, Even, you know, exactly. For that era, especially you know, it it kind of just set that gold standard. Absolutely, absolutely. You you can you can definitely tell. You get actually, Dick Tracy was partially inspired by Chinatown, and it's kind of almost like the same thing. Only instead of like the waterworks department, it's the transportation department and the highway system. So. Uh, it, it borrowed a lot of elements from this movie, which is another reason why I really wanted to check it out. So, fun fact. Aside from Thanks. that, I also saw the Star's original Blind Spotting, which is the the sequel to the movie the same name. And I know James has brought it up a couple episodes ago. I only saw the first episode, and I got to tell you, this is easily one of my new favorite shows as well. I, I mean, I it's no secret that James and I love the movie fucking made our oh, yeah. movie of the year eventually so um this the show yeah. is 2018 right 2018 yeah yeah 2018 right? yeah. back in the day back and for time <laughs> stars has been trying to get me to like resubscribe and they finally got me i was like 899 okay so many emails come this on dude yeah so many emails ads everything and i'm like yeah. okay finally I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and do it so you know it it takes place just like james said right after the movie and it's all, all the Easter eggs from the Bay Area, all, all the, the, the shout outs to like areas where, where we essentially grew up in is, is just amazing. It's a nice love letter to the Bay Area. Wait, wait till you watch all of it too, man. Oh, Every wait. episode has a ton of Easter eggs and too. I, cool. I was going to wait on so. watching this, but dude, so many fucking spoilers on social media and like people posting about it all the time. I'm just like, dude, I, I I couldn't wait. I'm like, I'm just gonna go ahead and you know. I'll... I hope they they haven't got renewed yet for a second season, but I hope they do. It's one of those. Dude, I, I hope so. Please things. check this show out. I think they're still doing the first episode for free. If uh if if you have reservations, if not, you can do the seven day free trial on Stars. Look and hashtag not a sponsor. You can easy binge them. They're only thirty minutes long each, too, by the way. Yeah, and they're they're just so well written, so well done, so well acted. Uh, the the casting is perfect. And the cinematography is just fucking beautiful. So I agree. Yeah, it's got a perfect blend of comedy and and drama. So if you're a fan of the movie, if you're a fan of quirky dramas slash comedies, then definitely check it out on Stars. Aside from that, I also finished the Bad Batch on Disney Plus. It could have easily been six episodes, and I can tell you right <laughs> now. <laughs> You can watch like the first six or seven episodes, and then go to le- then 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 go to like fifteen and sixteen, easily. Yeah. But um, I still enjoyed it. Omega, <laughs> Omega. <laughs> but yeah, that's pretty it was, much all. It was, I'll say bad oh. real quick. I'll say bad batch. It got better near the end. It did. I will say the season finale has done really good. Did it need to be sixteen yeah. episodes? Absolutely not. They could no. have easily condensed everything and made it like a mini series. And even I agree, I would have taken ten episodes, really. But sixteen is just too I don't much. even. They're, they were doing like another season too, and I'm like, I don't really want another season. <laughs> if yeah. they do, they have to do like individual three episode, four episode story arcs oh because this God, whole old, like long stretch arc that they did yeah. just didn't work out because they tried to it implement reminded the same me, formula. It kind of reminded me fillers. of season one of Clone Wars. There's too much filler, man. Yeah, yeah, and then they started doing these little story arcs, these trilogies, so to speak, within like the the seasons where it's like three episodes, and then the next three episodes is a story arc, and so on and so forth, and that worked. So, Dave Filoni, I love you, but go back to that, bro. Anyway, that is all I've been watching. Awesome. Let's get into our mini review now of our Studio Ghibli film, Only Yesterday. Whoa! Hey, Taika? 
When my sisters recall the good old days, it's mainly about fashions or pop stars. For them, 1966 was the high point of their youth. But for me, it was just fifth grade. You can't be serious! Mother! Can't trust boys, even if you have a crush on them. Huh? Oh, look! The crows are flying away! Could you ever see yourself living in a place like this? Tycho! Hey, farm girl! Perhaps my fifth grade self is trying to tell me to find a new way to fly. Hi guys, so I'm going to go over this one. It's been a while since I've talked. I've been letting the guys run the podcast the last couple episodes. I don't know if you guys have Daddy's letting that, the kids apparently. play. <laughs> apparently no, I talked no too much, knows. so. No, we've actually tracked better on these episodes, too. So, uh, back on this one now. We're doing the 1990, uh, 1991 film. See? I haven't talked too much. Only Yesterday, <laughs> which has 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, the IMDb description is a 27-year-old office worker travels to the countryside while reminiscing about her childhood in Tokyo. This is directed by the late Isao Takahata, who did Pompoko <laughs> in 94, Grave of the Fireflies in 1988, and The Tale of Princess Kaguya in 2013. This is based on the manga by Hotaro Okanomoto and Yuko Tone. And this is written by Isao Takahata and adapted into English by David Friedman. So, this is one of those... This is actually one of the... Um, a lot of them were the ones that we're getting. We only have three left, by the way. A couple of these were never released, like, until recently. So this one was originally released in Japan on July 20th, 1991. And it was released nationwide in the United States in uh, February 26, 2016. So five-ish years ago. This was one of the ones that w- had never been released or was, and only was in Japanese for the longest time. So uh, the cast here, because we did English, because this is... One of the ones that's got a English. <laughs> we are up. very well cultured on this pod. We have Allison Fernandez as Taiko Akajima at age ten. Daisy Ridley plays Taiko Akajima at age twenty-seven. We have Dev Patel as Toshio. Uh, Gray Delist as Taiko's mother. Matthew Yang King as Taiko's father. Laura Bailey, Laura Bailey actually as Nanako. Ashley Eckstein, uh, Ahsoka Tano herself as Yaiko. And Mona Marshall as Tycho's grandmother. So, Marco, I already know the answer to this. I know you've never seen this movie before. But, Nabil, I know you've seen this movie before. So, yes, uh, <laughs> we actually saw this in theaters. We did. Yes. This was, like Hashtag I said, this movie was really hard to find at one point. Yeah. I recall this one, and I, was, I had watched it in Japanese. Um, but then when they announced that it was coming out, it was like years later. I was like, holy fuck. And then like, you know, they got Daisy Ridley from Star Wars in it, Dev Patel. So I was like, that's cool. So me and Nabil actually saw this, I want to say, at the Embarcadero Theater in San Francisco. Uh, I, I if think I remember that's correct. correctly. Yes. Yeah. I think that I was invited to this and I couldn't go. Probably. I mean, more than likely. We probably yeah. invited everybody to this thing, mm-hmm. but. Um, let's start it out then with you, Nabil, because I know you already got some background on it. Uh, what did you think about your rewatch of Only Yesterday? Uh, you know, it's, I, I kind of feel the same as I did before. It's a really good movie from an anime standpoint on its own, just because it's, there's not too, um, it's very realistic. It's very grounded. You know, you get to see the life, uh, the history of a young girl at, at the age of 10 and then her kind of as an adult age 27 what she's doing now and just reliving that past and it's the experiences all seem very you know an honest reflection of something you might actually have experienced yourself or know somebody that have you know especially your parent so yeah i think the film in that sense does a really good job of portraying that and it really gets messages across um of a situation but my thing i think that really is is the biggest issue is that it doesn't quite feel like a Studio Ghibli film. It's it's got a lot of the elements, but the the feel. I also feel kind of some some of the animation. It's just it's just not exactly the same thing that from what we've been watching and all these other films. It doesn't have a bit of that fantastic element. It doesn't have um, the same kind of animation that I was used to to some of the other films that we've seen. And 
it it feels just a little different. It's a great anime film, but I feel like it's it's not quite the same feeling as you would get from watching. Which the I would, I think all of Asayo Takahata's films are all kind of like that. They're all yeah. very different. They're not Hayao Miyazaki directed films too. Right. So they tend to have a different kind of thematical feel to it all. Uh, what about you, Marco? First time watching it. Uh, what did you think about it? I actually enjoyed it. I, I, I agree and disagree with some of the things Nabil said. This is probably my favorite Takahata film because we've seen... Whoa, 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 sir. Pompoko? <laughs> sir, are you... Uh, okay, you know what? Second favorite because we, we all have Thank a soft you. spot for Pompoko. I mean, Nabil loves Great the Fireflies because he loves depressing films too. So uh, he's just like, yeah, dude, I love killing half die. a bottle of whiskey and, and crying myself to sleep. You know, who doesn't on a Friday yeah. night? Anyway, I, I agree that it's it's very much well-grounded, but uh, I disagree in the fact that it doesn't feel like a Studio Ghibli movie. Anytime the musical score comes up or any music oh, appears so or so any, any, like, like, pan shots come out it, it reminds you that you know this is a studio ghibli film you know i can i can see some of the differences in how it can be compared to just a regular anime film but still like the overall themes about like childhood and adulthood and and how you know how they connect to each other how the way that's done is very much studio ghibli-esque and i will say that my i only would say complaint... i would i'm sorry go i'm ahead. sorry go ahead. oh okay i was, say say, my... I was gonna say Oh, sorry. I was going to say, like, it, if anything, it even deals with, like, some pretty adult-like issues, too, at times. It does. Yeah. yeah compared with, to I, other, which, you know. I, I think that this movie does it a little more heavy-handed than the other Studio Ghibli movies. Because I do think the, the other movies do do deal with, like, heavy issues and, and grown-up issues. But they uh, they don't necessarily dumb it down, but they make it more kid-friendly. And this one doesn't really do that. It doesn't pull its punches. I will say that it also is a little long and it does drag on a little bit. The, the pacing isn't that well. So that's really my only gripe with it. It took me a while to kind of get into it at the beginning because I was kind of going like, okay, where's this going? She's just going back and forth with her flashbacks. But you, you kind of, you know, you realize why later on in the movie, like why that's happening. Or even before that, you realize why. And it gets you more involved in the movie. But overall, like, I think it was. It was a, del- a delightful experience. I, d- I don't think I'd watch it again for a while, but I would definitely give it another another you know second third watch, and I, I would recommend it because you know it's pretty ne- pretty good. Yeah. So this is my fourth time watching this movie. I think fourth time probably. So yeah, I real I actually I really like this movie. This is probably one of my top five Ghibli films. Stay truth. Something about this one just hits it for me. I love the animation style in this one. That's why I agree with Marco on that. Uh, I think the score is wonderful in this film too. They yes. have like a something like a wind flute or something playing at times, and it's like ghostly beautiful. I guess I, I might say. If the music doesn't <laughs> touch your heart, then you're not human. That's all I gotta say. Yeah, the bill was like, My shut heart's up. Cold. <laughs> uh, cold I will say this too for the um, English voice acting. They did a really good job with the uh, the dubbing on here. So like uh, mm-hmm. the sound, I don't know. Did you, did you guys? I, I listened to this with headphones on, and um, the sound mixing. I gotta say, I'd never bring this up, but the sound mixing is really good in this movie. Are you talking about that? Like the sound effects. Yeah, I'm yeah, that yeah. yeah. <laughs> it sounds so good on here. It's insane. Like when they're like picking the rice and all this the saffron and stuff, and it makes these crunching noises. I'm like, this is amazing. Like, yeah. Absolutely. Are these people real? Like doing it in front of me? Speaking um, of I food, the, yeah. I will say that's the <laughs> other aspect that doesn't make it feel like a Ghibli film. Not enough food. They don't. They don't show a, any uh, eggs running over. Segment so. of, uh, there was a whole segment of a pineapple, though. So. Oh yeah, which is which I find funny because it's like um, they and just insulting. Don't like it. They're like, this is fucking terrible. Pineapple's delicious. Yeah, it wasn't was ripe. Like, it wasn't ripe though. Yeah, they ate it too early. That's why it was super True. hard too. I was like, yeah. idiots. But I liked it, and then um, I liked the. Um, it's just cool that they. I mean, it's very like Mark, uh, Nabil was saying. It's very relatable to stories about growing up, and I think even though she grew up in Japan, I think it's still a lot of those things are relatable. Even more so if you were probably a, a female listener, I would assume you'd probably be a little more relatable. I would hope with it, uh, it's more certain relatable events. for women than it is for men. But yes, 
Oh, relax, Neville. Don't make judgment calls. Uh, and then on top of that, I do, I do think that the pace. I will say that the pacing is the one weakness in this film. It's mm-hmm. too long. It doesn't need to be almost two hours. It could be an hour forty and been perfect. But you know, it happens. But this is definitely. I mean, all joking aside, this is the best. Uh, the best. Uh, d- Directed wise of us, at least Takahata film, Studio Ghibli wise, in my opinion, because um, I mean, he also did like fucking My Neighbor the Yamadas, and you know how we feel about those movies, so it's like shit. I mean, then also <laughs> what Prince Kaguya is what two and a half hours, so I'm like, he's no, God. he's no fucking, he loved his long movies, so Princess Snooze Fest, yeah. I mean, we've already pretty much brought up, it, like I said, this is a quick review. What, what, um, do you, what would you compare this to, Nabil, then to other films? Is it like, is it is it closely related? I mean, you've already truthfully you've kind of already brought that up too. Like it's not it's, it's not fantastical. It's the most grounded out of anything. It is. It's definitely the most grounded of them all. Um, which again, th- it has its place for for that in the Studio Ghibli world. I just for some reason just didn't feel. I I would I would have been able to say, oh, this is just a great anime film and been fine with it. Not necessarily have to put it on, uh, you know, affiliated with the studio itself. Yeah, what about you, Marco? I'd say it's a, it's a better told version of My Neighbor, the Yamadas. And it has oh, almost... I mean, geez, yeah. It has that coming-of-age <laughs> feeling similar to Kiki's Delivery Service where, like, you just, you're just trying... Taiko is just trying to, like, find herself, and it seems like she's not really satisfied with where she's at in, in life. And I liked that aspect and how she's reflecting on her childhood and the way she was raised and grew up in and using all those experiences and traumas to decide like, no, this is where I want to be in life instead. It doesn't matter, you know, my past, my present, my future. This is this is what I want to do. And I, I kind of yeah. like that. It's almost life affirming. You know, we've we've all had that that feeling of am I where I want to be in life? You know, and am I doing what people expect me to be doing or what I want to be doing? And that theme carried so well throughout the movie you know like there was she was shamed Taiko was was shamed many times because she wasn't pretty much assimilating to what her family wanted from her or what mm-hmm. everyone else yeah. in her family was doing and because she was different and more more free-spirited and more artistic like she was treated like like a black sheep and felt for her you know and and sometimes that happens in at, families you know as a kid and even as an adult because she's unmarried and they're like oh you're not yep. married and so it's kind of like oh this is this is uh, relatable so um no i agree it, it does a really good job of showing that like the uncertainty people have in life and then like how her younger self eventually in the way like by the end of it all kind of encourages her to like get what she really wants you know and i i like that that message that, uh, around, so. that train ride at the end man like i was like oh i feel it i feel it yeah no it's it's cool it's like it's like her it's kind of emotional. younger self yeah it, i like that it's so weird it's it's told over the fucking credits right yeah <laughs> right yeah. I, but why <laughs> did like, i like hey. that i was like oh this is i liked it too kind of cool yeah and she goes back and like you kind of assume like her and toshio just start a relationship or something like that so yeah like, it just it leaves that it did a good job it's, too by the way yeah. mm-hmm. i gotta say man yeah. that guy's got a good voice yeah, and also just, I didn't recognize uh, yeah. Daisy Ridley at all. It was hard really to that well, it was she hard. was too. That's her American accent. That's very much yeah. her. Uh, yeah, yeah. You're like that's not Ray from Star Wars. Who is this? She's like we have to find the Empire. Ray Palpatine, right. sir. <laughs> uh, spoiler, guys. Whoopsies. Terrible movie. <laughs> all right, so uh, starting with you, then Marco, what would you rate this movie? One out of five stars. I would give it four and a half. Really, that half docks it because of the length and the pacing. That's about it. Oh, hey. That's fine. And you would recommend this to Studio Ghibli fans? or Yeah. If you're a Studio Ghibli fan, if, if you're a completionist and are like us and want to go through the entire library, then then yeah. If, if, you, if you like those types of stories that are life-affirming, uh, that are sort of... Uh, self-reflecting then yeah this is this definitely for you nice uh what about you Nemo? yeah i i rate this a three and a half stars and i i too would recommend (laughs) (laughs) i would um i think honestly i could recommend this to anybody who's who's got a uh, probably like a preteen child 
um, to watch with them and, and get them kind of exposed to that. I think it has a, a lot for, for children to relate to as well as adults. Um, so there's definitely enough um, groundedness in the film <laughs> for you to be able to feel comfortable with watching some. Sorry, like Nabil. Nabil's just like, I don't get it. <laughs> just get a job. <laughs> Pay your bills. The What's life, wrong? We, is this we, the we, life of Pie Guy again? I don't. This uh, guy's making some confusing films. Is, God damn it, Bill. She she said, "I don't want to be country." <laughs> uh, I give this one a four out of five stars. I recommend this to anybody that even likes anime. Period. So check it out. I think this is an easy one to jump into, yeah. especially because there's an English dub of it. So uh, if you have HBO Max, uh, give it a check. This is a. Uh, we only have three films left, and I try to leave like good ones at the end. So. <laughs> We, we shall gotta go see. through some garbage ones. Yeah, we shall see. There's one more that I think is like, eh. but all the others are pretty solid. So, uh, with that being said, let's move on now to our main review of the new film, Reminiscence. When the waters began to rise and war broke out, nostalgia became a way of life. There wasn't a lot to look forward to, so people began looking back. Nothing is more addictive than the past. No, 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 put me back. Put me back. I understand. She has moved on, and you should too. People don't just vanish. To find where she'd gone, I had to know where she'd been. Was she running from the past? Or racing back towards it? How much did you really know her? How much did you know? Who was she? Who was she not with me? You think you want answers? Well, you don't. Where is she? Okay, so Reminiscence currently is sitting pretty low at a 36% Rotten Tomato score. <laughs> um, As uh, Marco would say, a whopping 36%. Mm. Yeah, give it to me, baby. It's starring, uh, or the premise here is Nick Bannister is a private investigator of the mind, navigates the alluring world of the past when his life is changed by a new client named May. Simple case becomes an obsession after she disappears, and he fights to learn the truth about her. This is directed by Lisa Joy, who's a fame for Westworld, The Riddle of the Sphinx, um, back in 2018. Also written by Lisa Joy, Pushing Daisies, uh, she had written in 20, uh, 2007. Uh, Burn Notice she had done in 2009 and Westworld in 2016. So she's done some some titular shows for a good period of time. Uh, so this film came out just last uh, few days ago, August 20th. Uh, it's currently in theaters and also streaming on HBO Max. It's starring Hugh Jackman as the titular character Nick Bannister, Rebecca Ferguson as May, Fandy Newton as Emily Watts Sanders, Cliff Curtis as Cyrus Booth, Marina de Tavira as Tamara Sylvan, Daniel Wu as St. Joe, Brett Cullen as Walter Sylvan, and Al- Angela Serafian as Elsa Kareen. So, a lot of good stars, very in- interesting plot, not great on scores. Uh, Marco, <laughs> what were your thoughts on this film? What to say about this movie... I liked this movie before when it was known as Dark City. No, I'm sorry. Inception. No, shit. I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> losing track which movie this is. Um, this movie is fucking trash, dude. <laughs> Damn. I'm just going to say it, dude. It it was a struggle to get through this fucking movie. Like, I had to pause it a few times and get up and stretch and be like, what the fuck am I watching? I so just, to, just to verify, we, we all we all saw this at HBO Max, right? I don't think any of us oh, went to see yeah, into that. I, I almost saw this in theaters, yeah. sir, because I didn't know it was on HBO Max because I was trying to go in blind. I was going to go see it with Sonny, friend of the pod. Luckily, he was like, hey, bro, this is on HBO Max. I canceled my ticket. And I was like, well, guess we're just doing dinner, bro. <laughs> Shout out to Sonny Garcia. So, yeah, I'm so glad I saw this at home because I would have been so fucking pissed off if I saw this in theaters. It, it uh, the the pacing was horrible. The acting was horrible. I mean, Hugh Jackman does what he can with you know the script. The plot is just <laughs> so dumb, and it feels like it belongs in like the late '90s, early 2000s. So generic too, um, and it had you know some good elements to it, but not enough to save 
grace yeah i just man <laughs> not a fan, this, not a yeah, fan. not a fan at all what about you james what, what did you think about the movie I'm not so harsh as Marco. Like, yeah, it wasn't good, but I didn't think it was terrible. There were some things that I did like about it. I think it does. It's got a cool setting to the whole thing too. Um, like the whole like under like the world fucking went over, but it adds nothing to the plot, obviously. But nope. and I actually thought Hugh Jackman did a really good job acting wise in this one. Yeah, he does it, good. With it what is he has. a yeah, it's a very slow burn. I mean, for the most part, it was. They throw a lot at you in this movie. That's my biggest issue. Like, there's a lot of names, a lot of locations. They tell you, um, without and without looking it up, Nabil. Like, it, it was tough for me to like be like, okay, who the fuck are they talking about now? You know, I watched it all the way through. I didn't pause it once. I watched this with my niece, and even she was like, it was okay. So, I'm pretty middle of the road on this one. I didn't think it was terrible. At times, there are some good moments, but it's definitely a movie that I was. Uh, I mean, I'm glad I didn't. I mean, there's a reason why me and Mikey didn't see this in theaters either. So <laughs> we saw we saw the Nighthouse instead. Which side note, excellent. But this one, um, yeah, wasn't pretty big miss for me too. So yeah, yeah, I'm I'm even one step above you there, James. I actually like the film. Um, <laughs> I, I like yeah. Oh no shit! The style. Triple yeah. triad. Sorry. <laughs> it's a. Uh, it's my kind of film, you know. It's a mystery. It's the the yeah. noir. It's it, which is why you know I, I, we spoke earlier, Marco, about you watching Chinatown. I was surprised that you saw this, and then you also saw this film. Not because planned, by this the way. would have given you, yeah, it would have given you a much worse viewpoint on this film since Chinatown is just so much better. Did you watch yeah, Chinatown right. before this movie, Marco? I saw it about a week before I saw this movie. A week, oh, yeah. Fuck. yeah, yeah. Okay. See, if you had seen it after, maybe you would have been like, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I just I've seen the story told a lot better before. With a better oh yeah, history. Yeah, yeah. It's, oh yeah. It's definitely not I would say an original you know idea, but I think what they did try to do was change out change things out by setting changing the setting. You know, instead of going in the past, it went into the future, mm-hmm. but it was still kind of that that noir feel. The femme fatale thing was was an interesting kind of twist thing that they had. I mean, it wasn't too hard to f- figure out, but at the same time. You know, I could and see they circle around it a little bit too much, yeah. though, for my taste. But I mean, that's yeah, such a noir yeah. kind of theme, you know. It's an issue they with his obsession. Bit. I'm like, bro, you IG stalking? Why don't you just chill right. out, bro? They linger a little too much on it, and not they, and the stuff they should give you more context on, they don't. And the stuff that they, you don't really need more context on, they they spend too much time on. Um, so there's definitely that. But at the same time, I I was intrigued by the world that they were trying to introduce, and was interested in. And honestly, yep. the characters around Hugh Jackman's character, Nick Bannister, because his character didn't seem like there was a lot of motivation. And he pretty much says, like, he's just doing things just because this is how the world is kind of thing and it, to survive. And it's like, why then? Why are you even like, what is the yeah. point of your life? You know, so Bill, he's, um, he's completely love, the same person love, from the start love. to the end. Yeah, there was. There's never been anything there would drive him, and I know they were trying to point that out as him being that flawed character, the flawed detective, kind of thing. But they, they didn't pull that off very well with with his character. Like he just wasn't the antagonist that you thought was brooding and mysterious, and you wanted to know more about. You're like, oh, he likes this girl. Now he's been cheated. Now he wants to figure out things. Like, okay. Um, but yeah, speaking of like the the style you had mentioned earlier, James, about you know. Just mm-hmm. the difference in that. What did you think about that neo noir style? What did it? Was it a good thing for you? Did you? Did you thought it added more to the? Film yeah, I mean, it, it works. It works for me. I mean, that's what they're going for, obviously. So, like for the most part, it worked. Like the narration part reminded me a lot of. Uh, I mean, not even just Chinatown, I guess, but um, the original Blade Runner before the Blade Runner, yeah, and eighty one, yeah. the the non director's cut. Uh, he narrates the whole time, but that was really shittily done in that movie. This one, it actually adds to the film. I'll give it that much. Yeah. Because without that, bro, we'd be so fucking lost. So yeah, <laughs> I was definitely. like, okay. But that once again, it it kind of helps, but it doesn't always help. Because at a, at certain times, too, it, it's like a lot of names, man. What is this, Game of Thrones? I need to pull up a book afterwards. I was like, Jesus Christ, man. Who, who the fuck are they referencing to? Right. Like, there's a whole subplot with a mobster thing that I was like, I don't even know this needed to be in the fucking movie, man. And again, it, but, I mean, it ends abruptly with that. Yeah, it okay. adds to it, but yeah. it's like, okay. I'll say this CG at times too is spotty. Like sometimes it looks really good, sometimes it looks really bad. Uh, but it adds to the look. I like that water kind of. I mean, kind of water world kind of look. I guess it's the world <laughs> we're living in thirty years, guys. 
Yeah. So, it, I mean, but once again, my only issue, too, is it, it didn't add anything to the movie. Like, no, at all. Like, there was no... I mean, maybe that scene where somebody falls and panels on them, like, maybe that's what it added, but that could have been done anywhere else, too. So, I don't think it... You know, that is the one thing I did like, though. It was interesting. I would have liked to know more about that, but... It, it, yeah. seem, it seems like that should have been more of the central plot. It's like they had they had the right idea, but they used the wrong... It's like in the background, they, like, don't worry, this is just how life is. Five yeah, yeah. I, I was like, that, see, that would have made it more akin to Chinatown. You know, instead they made it this, yeah. just a very simplistic plot revolving around a femme fatale and the lead detective being awkwardly obsessed with her. Like, the pacing was just horrible, and the reveal of of, of everything else, of every other conspiracy, came way too late. To the point where it's like, if they would have revealed that first, maybe his obsession over finding this chick would have seemed less creepy and less in the way. So, well, also for a man who was in a war for five years, uh, that supposedly is a badass. He uh, certainly does not know how to fight because <laughs> no, he, he lost had a twelve pack. He, he had a twelve pack. I don't know yeah. what the fuck you're talking about. He he lost every fight he was in. <laughs> he He's did. trying to show that he wasn't like ripped. I'm like, yo, Hugh Jackman's absolutely yoked still. Uh, no, Hugh Jackman, yes. Nick Bannister doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. Yeah, but they're, they're you know that's like a very new noir thing too, though. It is, but I don't see a lot again, of the. Leaning I will into say that much. They, yeah, they yeah. continue the tradition of these detectives getting their ass kicked. Yeah, but so, most of those guys are yeah. like drunks. He's not a drunk. He's just you know he's sober the whole time. He doesn't do anything. No, see, but he's drunk on. The, he's drunk his on his uh, his, was the his drunk. little uh, machine. Right. Though he's addicted to that, so he's addicted. To I something, guess that's right? true. They I had the right ideas, but placed them wrong. It's like, why'd you make his partner? The oh drunk? yeah, Watts, why, man. Why? They should have. Yeah. They should have expanded her stuff more. Yeah. It's just more like lines. Like she just no. She has a daughter. Don't worry about it though. She's <laughs> running away from her daughter. And I was like, wait, is this Westworld season two? What's going on? Here? <laughs> She's mixing the genres. Well, let's so. let's get, let's kind of dig a bit more into the plot, um, Marco. What did you? What what else kind of stood out for you um, for this story? Or maybe I, is there anything that really worked for you? I guess. I mean, it, it did have or some good ideas. The the whole the whole you know global warming thing. The water levels are high. The 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 setting, like what James was talking about, with the streets being wet and stuff. That's it made it a little different. The whole uh, concept of reminiscence and and you know even though it's very similar to Inception. And you can, you know, revisit memories instead of dreams. It's memories. And they weren't really clear if you could react to the memory, though, if you were outside of the reminiscence machine or not. So I thought that was kind of weird. I don't but, think you uh, can. I think it's just the, you're peeking in. Well, there's kind of a scene yeah. where it kind of makes you wonder. But still, like, it, the, the whole idea of it was, was cool. It's just what it was used for was very sloppy and just <clears throat> not satisfying. Again, they they had their mystery and they had like their conspiracy, like laced around the environment, but they chose not to use it. And I was just kind of like thrown back with like how they structured this plot and what elements of it they used for the mystery and and to move the plot along. Like I just thought that it was just done horribly and not well. It had yeah, good I elements think- to it, the futuristic element of it. Uh, the the settings, the cinematography, all those things were good. Everything else is just kind of garbage. I think they used that as a crutch too heavily. The the machine for the you know the reminiscence machine basically. Mm-hmm. If it, have you remember that that was definitely a plot device, and obviously it's the main part of the film. But realistically, they could have told those same stories in the movie without that machine, and you could have seen it more organically. And I thought that mm-hmm. that might have actually changed a bit of the perspective on how that plot moved forward and how you felt about it to kind of catch catch him. He, I mean, he could be a guy that just has a really good memory because he does remember things. The, one of the lines is like, he remembers everybody's memories but doesn't have any of his own, you know, kind of thing. Like, yeah, he Dang. could... Uh, Movie poster. Kind of <laughs> like in uh, Inception, he can enter other people's dreams, but he doesn't have his own dreams. Yeah, I've seen that before in yeah. a bill. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. I, I, I really didn't connect this too much to Inception, to tell you the truth. I think people are trying to connect it big time. The trailer no, tries I, similarities. I it's, yeah. it's an amalgam of that with um, with Dark City the, and a little bit of Waterworld. Just like the All dream sequences, one. I guess, with memories, I guess, is kind yeah. of what they go in. But uh, outside of that, there's really no uh, similarities outside of that, I would say. Because I, 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 Inception is such a much better film, obviously, but... 
Oh yeah. And this one is just this thing wishes it was. This even is an exa- yeah. It's an example movie, of so. Inception if it yeah. were a shitty movie. I'm t- if this movie came out in like between '96 and '98, I'd probably give it a little bit more credit. But it feels like it, it's it's stuck in the past, and like no, this type LA of plot line came out, and that would have just trumped this film. So. <laughs> like, oh yeah, that's this, that's the new. But what I'm saying though is one, yeah. the the type of plot line this is 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 feels like it's very archaic. You know, it's it. I've seen better noir stories told today and futuristic noir stories today than what was presented to me in this movie. It seemed like it was. just I mean, I'll give it to them. Like at least it was. Yeah, well, at least it was original. I guess it's not like a sequel yeah. or. A, I, I think I, mean, I think you you are a bit harsh on it, and I get your perspective on it. But I feel like it 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 is a bit better than a lot of other films, and like you said, James, and its originality, it tries, it does borrow a lot of elements, but it does still have a bit of a unique flair. Um, and James, just to get to you too, I mean, is there anything that did st- really stick out for you in this plot that you felt like really did work, or maybe just was garbage? I, I mean, we'll talk about. I actually do like the ending. I actually yeah. like that. Uh, there's an action sequence that's really well done, but is super unnecessary in this movie too. <laughs> that involves uh, Saint Joe, like it so doesn't even need to be in the movie. But truthfully, it's actually one of the better it's shot scenes. Saint Joe, yeah, didn't and even I actually, the movie. Well, <laughs> I mean, he does to a point because of what's going on, but he did not. Yeah, he could have been. They could have removed him too, but um, I mean, age represents, you know. So. Um, <laughs> It was it was cool. I mean, it's got some gun scenes, but I mean, think I think they show that a bit in the trailer, like trying to make it look like the movie's all about that, and it's like it's one scene. So don't be like thrown off. It's not an action movie in any sense, but that is no, the one no, action no. sequence I liked. Uh, yeah, it runs too long, too. Truth be told, so it's one of those things where it's like, uh, if they had tightened it up a bit, maybe I'd be even be a little bit more positive on it. But you know, that's my, that's my thoughts at least. Yeah. All right. Well, there's there's a few scenes that we want to talk about in spoilers, and I definitely want to talk about that ending and and some of uh, May's motives near uh, near the end of this film. So um, we'll go into spoilers just a moment. Let's give our overall rating of the film, and I'll go back to you, James. What what would you rate this film? Um, I give it a three out of five. Three out of five. Nice, nice. And is there um anything that you would do? I mean, do would you recommend a film, or is it kind of like? Eh? I mean, some people might like this. Uh, if you have HBO Max, I would say check it out within 31 days because it's free for for a couple more weeks. I mean, check it out. Judge it for yourself. Just like just like how a lot of people were like decisive on the little things, but I actually like that one a lot more than most people did. I think it's around the same kind of feel for the whole film. So, like, this is one of those things. I mean, you'll know within the first 20 minutes if you're going to enjoy this movie. So, check it out. I mean, there are some visuals that are cool. But outside that, for most people, it's going to be a pass. But uh, if you can watch it for free and you want to watch a new 2021 film, I mean, go for it. So, yeah. uh, What about you, Marco? And reminder that the rating is 1 to 5. There are no negatives in this. So, <laughs> <laughs> Two stars. Two stars. Okay. Yeah, two That's stars. That's actually more sk- than I thought you were going to give it. You can, you can skip it. if you. There are things that I did like about it. Like you know, like I said, like the visuals and stuff, the 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 whole like dystopian future and living you know in a world post global warming Kevin and also Costa the, the does whole roll idea up that in a, people in a water barge people, just like yeah <laughs> I mean the the whole idea that people who the wealthy would <laughs> shut up James <laughs> that people would you know buy up all the land and shit if if the water levels rose but uh, yeah you can skip it if you want or you can check it out like James said if you have HBO Max I mean you can get nothing else to watch go check it out if you want fall asleep to hey, if you can't sleep hey this might actually help you sleep so there's a positive there and yeah it's it's totally up to you but i, w- I would say it's not really something you need to go out of your way to watch all right fair enough um and i also gave it a, a three star review here I, I would recommend it. We we did give it a lot of comparisons to other films. Like I was mentioning L.A. Confidential. We talked about Blade Runner. Marcos, Dark City. You know, talked about Dark City and Inception, you know, and Chinatown as well. So it, it is a good amalgamation of a bunch of those kind of darker noir type films mixed together. But it still tr- has a bit of its own little original style. If, if maybe poorly executed, it does definitely have um some remnants of a really solid movie there and maybe some some plot 
devices that they use as more of a crutch where they probably could have done a little bit better on. But overall, I think it is it is a, a different film um, that's out right now and is worth a watch, especially because it's on HBO Max. Um, if you've got that service, it's it's a, f- a film that you probably could appreciate on there or maybe fall asleep to. You know, that's fine, too. <laughs> Give it a watch. All right. So that's our review of uh, Reminiscence. We're going to jump into our spoiler section. But before we do that, if you haven't seen the film yet and uh, want to skip through ahead this, go ahead and just skip a little bit forward. You'll hear our outro and then we'll also talk to you a little bit about what we're going to be watching next. All right. So spoilers. Let's let's just start with the overall ending, and I'll go back to you, James, in regards to May, and what did you think about her? I, li- I liked whole... it. Yeah, I thought it was. I won't really lie. Good too. The sappy romantic in me, I was like, oh, that's kind of sweet. She loved him. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I like the whole thing with it all too. Like, like he just decides to stay because I mean, like, yeah, he's so obsessed with it. Like, he'd rather just live yeah. life and just keep reliving. And then you kind of realize the whole movie has been his dream or his memory of the events leading up to it and he just played which is why there was narration right which was good that, like, which makes sense because then i was like too. okay they 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 clarify i mean i didn't care either way i thought it was just him yeah. talking but um and then decker just shows up out of nowhere like what the fuck what's going on here <laughs> wait is he an android um, <laughs> and then kevin costner like i said rolls up with a tomato plant bro and he's like tomatoes <laughs> so I recently saw Waterworld a couple months ago. <laughs> yeah, I know. Stop. I know. Yeah, no one liked that review either. Um, but yeah, no, I liked. It. I actually liked the ending. Well, I was like, go back and I like, like it. Jesus. So yeah, do it, Marco. Do it. <laughs> All right. Yeah, but yeah, I liked him. So yeah, I think I think that kind of happier ending and per se of just her not being really a villain and she was doing it to save a kid and all that like was very was very uplifting i think the whole uh cyrus booth thing and the sun twist yeah that that gangster whole thing was i was like okay well that's that's where you get the film noir aspect and that's the one that's like you were saying marco is kind of that old replay trope but what i'm more interested in in your opinion marco is uh saint joe and his relevance in this film and what did you think about uh his introduction and then his untimely uh demise that just suddenly happened out of nowhere i felt he i felt he was a wasted character he didn't really belong in the story like he was cool but i mean what was what was his point really yeah what there was none it just show off his abs it just sort of yeah it's just <laughs> <laughs> just sort of backstory for Sorry. for May to a point, really, but it didn't really. It didn't. What were the drugs names again? Baca, Baca. Yeah, which I thought like I mean, heard of in something else before. Who knows what the fuck that drug does? I don't fucking know. But anyway, once you're hooked, you never chew- stop. It turns you into Chewbacca. Sure. Yeah, you <laughs> <laughs> become a hairy woolly. <laughs> anyway, he's so strong. Um, watch out. <laughs> The, the whole thing involving May too, I was like, mm, okay, cool. It just, it, it could have been a more like tight love story. Like again, dude, I have serious issues with his obsession at first because it doesn't really start to make sense until you reveal that there's a murder involved and there's a kid involved. Had they introduced those elements a little earlier and, and kind of have that like make like, like thrive, like his, his obsession, then that would have been fine, but he just seems like this fucking overly obsessed guy over a chick that just disappeared. And even his partner is all like, well, bro, you don't really know. Like she just wanted to skate town or whatever, you know? And it's like, it just didn't sit well with me. I was just, I I was just sort of like, dude, kind of awkward. You're, you're being a little too obsessed there. So yeah, they don't do a good job of explaining that relationship. That's the problem is that, he, you, you get to see the first scene of it, and then they kind of jump into, obviously, what it is is the future, yeah, like you even, but you don't realize that it's there. You even see red flags in her reactions and stuff, and it's like, bro, she doesn't really seem too into this relationship. Can you not read facial expressions? Like, uh, she, she constantly looks like... She love with him, Marco. She constantly looks love. like there's something else on her mind. It's like he's just totally oblivious to it. She sent him <laughs> a message knowing that he was she was going to die. And I was like, God damn it. The ending is kind of sweet, you know. It's 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 fine, you know. They they were in love in the end, but I I felt like it was done very sloppy. It could have done a lot. It could have been done a lot better, you know. It could have had 
more of of an impact on that. Cyrus Booth, Cyrus Booth, and uh, Walter Silvin, like I just I just didn't care. No, I actually like Booth when he gets burned. By the way, that scene I thought that was brutal as fuck. Oh, like Jesus Christ. Oh, I like when he's living, reliving that memory over and over again. That's crazy. I, I like, like that shit. that concept actually works. I was like, I wish they did a little more of this, but right. Yeah, <clears throat> like I said, they, yeah, they had they good ideas, but they didn't explain it. Them. They try to explain that early on about what's going to happen. You know, if somebody does that, so obviously it was a lot of foreshadowing, but again, not very well executed. And then you just kind of get to see that at the end. I'll, they save a lot of, they save that that big fight scene with Saint Joe in the middle of the film, and after kind of setting him up as some kind of big baddie, and then oh, now he's dead. And then at the end with Cyrus Booth, and you get to see the the burned image of him burning alive essentially um that whole build up towards that was was essentially re- irrelevant as well you know he like was there and then now he essentially permanent permanently marks this guy for for death by torture what did you guys think about the overall ending about nick bannister you know that's his prison sentence of reliving this part of his life um from meeting her to essentially you know avenging her death like the way that he kind of stayed in the tank because they do a future shot right of um thandy newton's character watts showing up and you know just paying her respects but like what did you actually think about it you think that that was a good way to end it do you think it would have been better of him getting you know you can get too harsh of a sentence or maybe he should have just been um let free I think he chooses that. Yeah, right? he does. So I think, I mean, it, like I said, it works with the ending, or the, with all the plot points leading up to it. I mean, that's the best way to end it, in my opinion. So, yeah. Yeah, or Decker shows I, up and they team up. I don't know. Fuck <laughs> you guys, tell me. <laughs> Fuck, I don't know. Rude Sewell from Dark City shows up. It's uh, actually a Jack Nicholson's space. in there. <laughs> I've got something to do. Smoking three cigs, just like <laughs> the water department. <laughs> Sorry. They're the My ones flooding the city. Don't worry about it. That's a good Jack Nicholson impression, there, Marco. Like What's that? Oh, thanks. That's uh, a good Jack Nicholson impression. Yeah. I I think that I agree with James that it's it, the ending is fitting. I, that's one of the things I did like actually. Also, because the movie is finally over, so I was like, "Fucking thank God." <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, it's bittersweet, you know. It's it's because she really is, is gone, yeah. you know. I, I kind of do like that it's not necessarily a happy ending. That's actually one of the things I did like. I'm like, if this, if this ends in a happy ending, I'm just gonna fucking throw my remote and I think control it, up the they, TV. They they so. do the whole like Orpheus uh, tale, how like, it starts in the middle or something, right? And mm-hmm. it kind of correlates with what's going on. So I mean, it, it actually, yeah. yeah, it's one of the more poetically better like endings, I guess. I was like, all right, yeah, unexpected. And and I like that. I like that. I like how she says, uh, "Then uh, then tell me a happy story and end it in the middle." That I did like. Like I said, there were some good elements, but they everything else is just kind of sloppy. But the, the ending, I'd say, is pretty good. No, I mean, I I do think it was a good noir film. Uh, I think Hugh Jackman did his best um, for what he had, but there was just it could have it would have been better not being set in the future like that. I think it's if you were gonna set yourself with that, there should have been more explored, and there wasn't much of it. And like you guys said, some of the characters introduced, like Saint Joe was kind of a throwaway. I'd be interested to seeing a film about him, to be honest, uh, since since obviously Nick Bannister ain't doing another film. Spin-off show on HBO more. Max. That's right, you know. Get a little bit of history of this. Just uh, him doing crunches for fucking three hours. Like, how'd you get those abs, man? Sorry. Yeah, it was interesting yeah. to see like how the people got shafted after the war and stuff, and they were just trying to... They turned to Underworld because they I wish had they, else. I, Marco, I wish they explained that war a little more, if anything, yeah. too. Right? I'm like, what was it over? For the land? The land fighting, right? I guess? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm assuming and then the so. rich built a big dam. Um, so I thought they were just going to do the plot of Superman Returns, where it's like, he, uh, but Lex Luthor's going to make an island out of kryptonite. <laughs> so, <laughs> prime real estate, baby. <laughs> yeah, real estate. You didn't know? Show the map. Pull the map. Kryptonite. Up. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. So, I mean, that's our review of Reminiscence. From the sound of it, I mean, kind of check it out. But go in with low expectations, guys. So that's what the movie pals would say. Uh, em- hashtag emoji shrug. So <laughs> with that, though, that is the end of our podcast. Podcast number 106. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Feedback, response, reviews, everything. Marco, how do, can they reach us? You can check us out on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at MoviePalsPod. Make sure to like, follow, comment, 
Thank you to all our guests thus far. You guys have been great. Just want to thank you all again because you're awesome. Also, if you use Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, or Stitcher, smash the subscribe button and you'll never miss an episode. Please leave a review. Get us back up to five stars. We're still trying to solve this mystery. That's what this movie should have been based on is the mystery of, uh, you know, the point four stars that we're missing. But yeah, just write a review and uh, tell us what you like, what you want to hear more, which you want to hear less. Be great. Of us. Yes, please. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. All right, guys, tune in for the next episode, episode 107. We'll be reviewing the new Marvel film, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. So until then, this is James. And Marco. And Nabil. Have a great one.